Welcome back, ladies. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the difference that a heart posture makes. And Abby's going to go into that in better detail, but sometimes it isn't so much your actions, but it's the motivation or the motive behind it. And there's a wonderful account in the Bible of how much this comes to play, and it is between um, David and Saul. And Abby's going to expound on that some more, and so we will get right into it. But I just really hope this speaks to you ladies the way that it has to me, and that um, the Holy Spirit does a work in you through it. For the trauma-informed segment, um, I wanted to talk about the power of exposure therapy. So, I had, when I was in my traumatic season, I had married and moved away from my hometown to a different town. And my only dealings with this town, I had no experience with it prior to this relationship. I had no experience with it after the relationship. And so that relationship really tainted my image of that town after, after that relationship ended. I avoided going to that town at all costs. I would take the long way around. I would do whatever I needed to do, but I was going to avoid going there at all costs. Lo and behold, ministry work brought me to have to go back. And the first time I went back, um, it's been over, it's almost three years ago now, um, evoked very, very strong emotions. I was obviously triggered. I was shaking. I was crying, um, upset stomach. And then I got through it because it was necessary for what needed to happen for this organization. Um, then um, maybe a month later, I had to come back and then back and then back. And uh, over time, I noticed that each time my reaction to the place was less and now actually just yesterday um, me and another team member had to pass through that town to get something for outreach and I was able for the first time I wasn't triggered I didn't have any negative memories or connotations to it all I could recall was my babies being little there, how sweet the teachers were to my kids there. Um, all of these good memories started flooding in. And I just thought, well, what a testament to exposure therapy. Now it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes the situation or whatever your trigger is, it may be so dangerous that you, you can't do exposure therapy to it. And basically what exposure therapy is, is just exposing yourself in a controlled situation to what that trigger is so that eventually you get like I experienced where you're not triggered by it anymore. But I just wanted to share my experience because right after the separation, 
in that relationship ended. Um, and even up to two years ago, if you would have told me that I would be able to at some point get through it to be able to look at that city and only think about good things and remember the good times with my children and um, I would have thought that that was absolutely impossible. But because of God and Him helping me through along on my healing journey and diligence on my part, wanting to overcome that, not wanting to have to live my life trying to avoid getting triggered, but instead to be able to power through so that I'm untriggered. Um, it has made a difference, and I believe that I'm no exception to it. Uh, there's nothing um, superpower or special about me besides Jesus. Um, <clears throat> and so if it can happen for me, it can absolutely happen for you. And so I just wanted to share that as encouragement. So maybe start baby steps and let's say it's a certain song that triggers you. Just turning it on and letting yourself feel all the feels and just making yourself listen to it once a day until um, that doesn't trigger you anymore. Maybe it's a smell. And you, in a controlled situation, when you know you're safe and you know you're okay, you expose yourself to the smell, whatever it is. But I just encourage you to con continuously pursue your healing um, because it's so valuable and it's so worth it. And there is abundant life out there. Jesus said that he came to give us life and life abundantly. And that means that even um, if we end up with a lot of trauma, we, there's still life after it, and there's still fulfilling life after it. And so I just want to encourage you ladies and listeners to be fearless in pursuit of your healing. Okay, ladies, we are back. I've got my dear friend Abby here, and we are in for another episode. And this time, Abby is going to be talking about the conditions of our heart. So, Miss Abby, I'll let you get right in it. Well, thank you once again for having me. And um, I just want to say this is once again a message that has come out of my own Bible study and prayer time. Things that the Lord has been speaking to me. Um, I have felt since Easter um, a shift happening in me. And just the revelation of what Jesus did, how much he sacrificed, his overwhelming love, and truly getting to a place in my life where um, I just want the love of God to be what resounds in me, um, through me, in my words, in my thoughts, but I really want to know his heart. And so he's taken me through the story of Saul and David. I think that most people know David because of the story of Goliath, the giant, but there is so much um, more to his journey and to his story. And really what is funny is the Lord has been showing me, Saul was the man that Samuel the prophet in that time in Israel anointed to be king. And, you know, Israel had rejected the Lord as their mediator, as their their lordship and they had asked for a king like all their surrounding nations had and so Samuel was really kind of distraught and frustrated with the Israelites because they had rejected the Lord and the Lord had said okay well here's the guy <laughs> and he gave the people exactly what they wanted he was tall he was handsome he was wealthy he came from a family that was very credentialed and um 
essentially he struggled even at the day of his anointing he was hiding in the luggage scared to death throughout his time serving as king he set a pattern of disobedience in the things that god had told him to do um there was a battle the philistines were the number one enemy that was the camp that goliath came out of um, they were really tormenting Israel at the time. They were a very real threat and a very, um, if you study ancient times, the Philistines were not people that you wanted to mess with. Mm-hmm. They had uh, huge wealth in, in following after their god, Dagon. They had giants in their um, genes. <laughs> So they were big people. They were people of war, of violence. Um, so they having them put a arrow uh, target on Israel's back was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And Israel had suffered under them for a long time. And when Saul came into his kingship, he really made it a number one priority to take back some of the things that they had stolen. And the Lord was very specific in how they were to go into battle and what they were to do at battle. And one of the the prerequisites was that the prophet would come and make a sacrifice and they would have an assembly and they would basically purify themselves before the Lord before the battle. Mm -hmm. And they began to win these battles. Well, they had come up against an enemy that the army was very fearful of and they started to desert. They started to run off the battlefield and Saul noticed this and got very nervous. And so he decided to take on the role of the priest because Samuel was not there and he gave him the sacrifice. Well, when Samuel shows up and sees this, he's like, what are you doing? This is not your place. This is not what the Lord commanded us to do. And Saul immediately backpedals and starts to say, well, the army was you know, leaving and they were, you were late. You weren't here when you said you'd come. And, you know, I was, I was trying to please the Lord and be obedient. I was following after the things. And it was like, he wanted to disguise it in a way where he was trying to say that he did something honorable, Mm -hmm. but really it was outright disobedience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it angered the Lord and they lost the battle. Later, there's another battle. Um, And the Lord is very clear in the instructions that they're to kill that king. And again, Samuel shows up. They weren't to take any of the spoils of the warfare. Samuel walks in and he's like, what is this bleeding of goats that I hear? Like, you have taken spoils of this war and you let the king live. And again, Saul has all these excuses. Well, after David had defeated the giant and he became a part of this household, he married Saul's daughter, Michael. And um, there kind of became this thing where David had an anointing on his life. He had um, spent many a year on the backside of a hill, an unknown entity to Israel. He had uh, written love songs to the Lord. He had spent time just worshiping the Lord for who the Lord was. And the Lord saw his heart and was pleased. And the Lord spoke to Samuel when he decided that Saul's time was up and he wanted to make a change. He said in 1 Samuel 16, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. He's talking about Saul. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. And so when he calls um, Jesse and says, 
you know, prepare a piece. I'm coming to your house. Jesse calls up every son he has, and they don't even invite David to the party. Mm-hmm. David's still out there serving, watching the sheep. And I just find that whole, the way that all that went down, so relatable. Mm-hmm. Because so many times we'll be called to something, anointed for something, and we look at what is happening around us, and it seems like there's so many other people who have it together, who look a certain way, who act a certain way, and their number gets called. And so it was like the Lord was just reminding me that we look at this outward picture, but he's looking at their heart. And at this moment in time, God has already made up his mind about Saul. He's already rejected him. Mm-hmm. He's already decided his days are numbered. He is not going to, to be the king of Israel. And he has handpicked David, even though everybody around misses it. Even the prophet missed it. He's like, is this the one? Nope. Is this the one? Nope. And finally, he looks at Jesse and says, <laughs> You got any more sons hidden in the back shelf? You know, like, wait, can you pull? He's like, well, there's a kid on the hill watching the sheep, you know, and I'm sure here comes poor David running in. He probably was sweaty, Mm -hmm. probably smelled like sheep. Mm -hmm. And God says, yep, that's him. And then has to have this little conversation with, like, you look at the the outward appearance. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure when Samuel was anointing Saul, that looked right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he he hit all the checkpoints. He... Had all the marks, and yet he had failed miserably, and he had continued in a path of disobedience, and it continued. And Samuel even said to him, "Obedience is better than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you say; you're putting up for me what you feel like you're sacrificing for the Lord, or for my sake. Your obedience to the Lord far outweighs anything else that you could give. And essentially, I feel like we sometimes think that." You know, even delayed obedience is disobedience. Mm -hmm. But we somehow get in this point of arrogance where we think that he needs us Mm -hmm. or it's our talents or our giftings or something that we do that gets us to this place. And yet here you have an example of this sweaty young boy who has no idea what's even going on, getting hollered at to come in. He's probably thinking, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) he comes in and he gets anointed to be king. Mm -hmm. But as I studied the stories in Samuel and in Chronicles I did never find where Sam, where Saul actually knew that he was anointed, that that had happened. Samuel had even said to him, we have to hide this or he'll kill me. Mm-hmm. And so here's David being anointed, all his family watching that. Mm-hmm. And then David comes into the service of Saul. He marries mm-hmm. into his family. He's mm-hmm. a warrior and he mm-hmm. has a favor of God on him. Mm-hmm. And he is very triumphant. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible says that Saul was overcome with an evil spirit of jealousy when he heard The women of Israel singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Mm -hmm. Immediately. The Bible also talks about the Lord sending a troubling spirit to Saul. Mm -hmm. And it would cause him to be angry and enraged. And the only thing that would soothe him was David Mm -hmm. playing the harp and singing praise and worship music. And that's another thing that I think out that would apply to us today. Is that... Demons cannot stand to be in the presence of God. They cannot stand to hear us bragging on him, on the Lord, Mm -hmm. on his works, on his deeds, on his nature. And see, David knew the Lord. He had had those encounters. So he was just coming in, entertaining from experience he had felt. He knew the Lord was his sure foundation. He knew the Lord was his great defender, his champion. And so for me that reminds me that whatever battle i may be facing whatever may be raging in my mind when i begin to talk about the victories of the lord the things that he taught me you know Mm -hmm. david said to goliath 
I killed a bear and a and lion, a lion. Mm-hmm. and the Lord is going to give me your head. Mm-hmm. And he went out prepared. And but who he, are you to come yes, against the armies of the living exactly. God? Exactly. Yes, who are you to so taunt? And, and, you know, and I always think about it. He went out and collected five stones, which means he didn't know what it was going to take. Mm-hmm. But he was willing to give him multiple attempts if he needed to. Mm-hmm. And he didn't just knock that giant down. He took a sword and took his head off. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that the head of Goliath went into a spike for all of Israel and Philistines to see, mm-hmm. but the armor went to David's tent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we have those triumphant moments where all the world sees, we also have those things that are private victories for us mm-hmm. that only us and the Lord knows about. And really, if, if I, when I read through this, I would think that that's probably the saddest part about Saul's story that he never created an atmosphere to have personal victories with the Lord. Mm-hmm. He never created a, a place of worship for himself. He knew of the Lord. Mm-hmm. He even had a direct connection to a man of God, the prophet Samuel. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have that relationship where he understood the heart of God at all. Mm-hmm. And he was always more concerned about pleasing man. Everything he did was based on what the appearance of people around him would think how they would see him, how they would judge him. His jealousy drove him to a point where at one point he says to Jonathan, this kid will have your kingdom if you're not careful. And Jonathan had a heart for David. They had bonded Mm -hmm. and he was like, this man means no harm. He's not trying to come after you. He's not trying to take anything from you. And it made Saul so jealous and angry. He actually threw a spirit at Jonathan, his own son. Mm -hmm. So here he is telling him, this kid's going to come in and steal everything from you. And then he turns around and almost kills his own son. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, you're real worried about your son inheriting your kingdom. No, you're more concerned about how this makes you look. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just a perfect picture of what jealousy does. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have to be really careful to guard our own hearts mm-hmm. because a spirit of Saul will kill the prophet. Mm-hmm. It will kill the priest. It will kill the word of God. It will kill our future. Mm-hmm. It will snuff everything that God has willed for us completely out of our lives Mm -hmm. and the final straw really with Saul and the Lord had already decided he wasn't going to be the king Mm -hmm. um but what broke my heart is in scripture when he told Samuel he regretted making him king yes and you just think I know Saul couldn't read it in his timing but how bad that would have hurt to have seen that you know and again if he had had the personal relationship like the weight of that, mm-hmm. what that would have meant. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, later David disappointed God. Right. Not to the point where he said, I, you know, I'm, but he did. He sinned. Mm-hmm. And he sent, God sent Nathan, the prophet, to deal with him. And it immediately broke David's heart. Mm-hmm. He wrote Psalm 51 out of that experience. Mm-hmm. He pleaded with the Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Mm-hmm. Like it devastated him that he had sinned and, and broken the heart of God. And that's mm-hmm. the difference in the measure of the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Saul never had those moments of just complete. Samuel had them for him. Even the Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn him? I've moved on. Mm-hmm. I need you to come anoint this other kid. Mm-hmm. I got him all picked out. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and I think the, the final straw for the end of Saul's earthly life was in Samuel 22 when David had been on the run with his men. Um, and they were just a gang of thugs, mm-hmm. essentially, that enjoyed killing people. So, they were running with him, hiding in caves, hiding in wilderness. And they had taken shelter among um, a, a civilization, a little group, a little town um, with priests. And they had eaten the bread of the shofar because they were starving. And Saul gets wind of this. 
and he sends, um, he tries to get his troops to go and deal with the priest. And they won't do it. They have too much of the fear of the Lord in them. But there is a man amongst them, um, the Bible says, I think his name is Doeg. But he sends him to deal with this priest. And he ends up um, killing them all and their families, traveling to their, their town and then killing their families. And I just thought about the gruesomeness. They were, in the Bible, it was clear to say they were wearing their priestly robes. So it was such a anti-God hatred at that point of built-in jealousy and insecurity and lust of the flesh and just his own pride and ego that he literally could look at someone dressed in a priestly garment that was holy, that was righteous, that was set apart, that the Lord was so intricate in the in the description of what that robe would look like and how it would be sewn and how it would be made and he would have someone murder that person mm -hmm. for simply helping what he considered to be his enemy. Mm -hmm. And he was so far like he was consumed by he it. was completely consumed by it mm -hmm. it had completely taken over his reason mm -hmm. he was his mind was gone at that mm -hmm. point in jealousy and and i heard a pastor say one time that jealousy is the spirit of murder in diapers mm, that's good that's true <laughs> and the bible likens jealousy to the sin of witchcraft and it is a very evil thing to entertain Mm -hmm. It will steal, kill, and destroy every bit of your hope and your future. And Saul was eaten up with it, literally. And it opened doors for him of disobedience. It opened doors of him, for him for murder. Um, he eventually ended up, Samuel died, and he wanted to know how to handle a situation. And he actually went to the witch of Endor and conjured up the spirit of Samuel. All in out witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Um and Samuel rebuked him even from beyond the grave. Mm -hmm. And I just think about how the Lord is so merciful. There were years that David was hiding out, not even really understanding what he did wrong. And honestly, when I read these stories, I want to weep because I think for David, he just wanted approval of a father. Mm -hmm. He didn't even care about the kingship. He just wanted, he would have loved to have Saul as a father, mm -hmm. as just a, a figure in his life to, to build him up. I don't know all the circumstances, but there's lots of theories about what David's home and life was. And he still honored him. He did. It, he had the opportunity had to kill him, yes. and he didn't do it. That's right. Um, because he said, I'm not going to touch what God anointed. Even if that anointing is, is over and things mm -hmm. have moved on, it is not my place to put my hands on this man. Mm -hmm. I'm going to honor what God, the promise that God put on him. And I thought... Once again, it's the posture of our heart. Because never in Scripture do we have the license, regardless of what people have done to us, yeah. to take the seat of judgment. Mm -hmm. Judgment belongs to the Lord alone. Mm -hmm. And we need to honor, even if their actions are not unworthy. Even if it's justifiable, it's still not It is right. not our place to sit in judgment, and mm -hmm. it is not our place to dole out punishment. That is mm -hmm. God alone. And that is another thing I just really admired about David is he always kept that heart posture of, I want to please God, whether it be through sin, mm -hmm. whether it be through disobedience, whether it be through your own um, injuries in your, in your story, traumas to your heart, things people have said over you, done to you, whatever it is, that heart posture of wanting the Lord to be the source of your healing, your restoration, that you just want to please Him, that you just want to stay in a loving relationship with the Lord. You don't want anything to block that open door with Him. You don't want anything to come become a stumbling block to you. That is what set David apart from Saul. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny to me because as human beings, so many times we want the judgment of God on others immediately to happen. And yet we want the mercy of God over ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
that we don't ever get what we deserve. Mm -hmm. And even in Saul's disobedience, it was a long season where the Lord allowed things. And I, I, I have to believe that it was because he was constantly trying to woo Saul's heart. Mm -hmm. He was trying to get Saul to, to return to a place of repentance. Even if he wasn't going to keep the kingship, he wanted to preserve Saul as a human being. And I think, you know, you're talking about the spirit of jealousy. It speaks to how deceitful it is because yes. Saul already had what David didn't have yet. Mm -mm. But instead of being focused on the fact that he was the king, he had the kingship and had been anointed, he couldn't focus on that and just be obedient with each step that the yes. Lord had given him because he was so enthralled and consumed with David that he missed Keeping it. him from it. And look yeah. at what he did have, some of the, the most... Um, like historical victories and life was good for him. He came for money. He the wealth increased over Israel while he was king. He couldn't even enjoy what he had, mm -hmm. the family that he had. He had blessed. He had a lot of kids. He couldn't. He never got to enjoy his grandkids. Nobody wanted to be around him by the time it was all over. And I think that is that is what the enemy always comes to do. He comes to steal relationships, steal our hopes, steal our future, and it can consume you to a point where you're not. You're so worried about keeping someone else from something that you are not even walking in the fullness of it. That you're not even enjoying what you have, and that's why I think it's such a dangerous thing to even open the door. And you have to realize too that. It, that all comes from the enemy. Mm -hmm. That is a spirit of poverty that says that you have to be jealous of what someone else has. Because that means there's a limit. Mm -hmm. And that it might run out before it gets to you. Or they might get more than you do. And that is always, anytime you hear a voice of lack speaking to you that you're not enough. Or there isn't enough. There won't be enough. Or you have to envy someone else's because yours isn't that is the voice of a liar. That is a voice of the enemy because the voice of your father never speaks of lack mm -hmm. ever. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. Mm -hmm. He speaks, opens his mouth and creation happens. Mm -hmm. It is his arm is not short That's or right. weak. He is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he would forget. If he said it to you, it will be fulfilled. Amen. The only thing that is at issue here is your will. Mm -hmm. And David understood I want my heart posture mm -hmm. to be submitted to the will of God mm -hmm. regardless of what I endure what happens to me and that's why when he worshiped when he brought the ark back and he worshiped so unashamedly and to the point of embarrassment of Saul's daughter he said I have only yet begun to become undignified because mm -hmm. he had gotten to a point there where he knew he understood this isn't even about just me and my legacy and what I'm doing here in this season he had already caught a glimpse of what was coming ahead and he knew how important the presence of God and relationship with God was for the Israelites we're not gonna make it as a nation if we don't bring the presence of God if we don't restore what he did for us back into our culture we're not gonna make it there won't be anything to fight over and in that vision and that and I believe that's what happens when we submit our, our hearts to God is we begin to see things through his eyes. Mm -hmm. We begin to catch that kingdom vision. We begin to understand that, oh, this isn't about whether someone smiled at me when I came into work today. Mm -hmm. This is about what my assignment is here in this workplace. Oh, this isn't about what that person said to me when I was a young child. This is about the enemy trying to keep me from my destiny. And when we start to shift our focus and what happened to us and what and realize that kingdom vision keeping our heart pure before the Lord you know even after David's greatest fall 
he cheated with Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. He had her husband murdered to try to cover it up. Mm -hmm. They lost the baby. The Lord dealt with them. It was all exposed through Nathan. Mm -hmm. And when Nathan came back and told him, the Lord has seen your repentance. He has seen you humble yourself before his presence. And through you, the promised Messiah is going to come. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that David was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. That he went and sat in the presence. And that Hebrew word for sat actually means he laid prostrate mm -hmm. before the throne of God. He laid in the presence of God and just worshipped God. Mm -hmm. Like he realized in that moment, I am not worthy of any of this, but that mm -hmm. God would choose my lineage. He would give me the legacy mm -hmm. that one day Israel's deliverance would come through us. Mm -hmm. He was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think it's such a, a sad story for Saul and his son paid for it. He and, and Jonathan both died in battle. Mm -hmm. um, their family was murdered. Mm -hmm. There was one survivor. He was a baby mm -hmm. in his, in all the confusion and, and pandemonium, she dropped him mm -hmm. and he was injured. Mm -hmm. um, and even in that, the heart of David represented the heart of the father because mm -hmm. David said, is there any living, living relatives, relatives yeah. of Saul? He mm -hmm. will have a place at my table. Mm -hmm. And he fed him and kept his family for the rest of his reign and the rest of his days. And I just think even in our worst moments of defeat, that's the heart of the father. He mm -hmm. will extend the table to us. He will say, come and sit at my table. Mm -hmm. and let me feed you and let me look after you and my heart in sharing all of this is that we would get to a place where we would recognize do I have a heart of Saul where I'm more concerned about what it looks like who I please what others think of me or am I so in love with my Savior that I can find the boldness to face a giant Mm -hmm. I can find the humility to repent. Mm -hmm. I can find my worship to be exuberant and undignified. Mm -hmm. I can find the kingdom vision to say, oh, Lord, whatever this looks like, I want to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. What is our heart posture? Mm -hmm. I feel like we're in a season where the veil is so thin if we just open our hearts into the presence of God, he's there in a, in a second. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to lose the, the wonder of the Easter story. I want it to draw me in and cause me to, to be so in love with Jesus that he would look and say, there is a woman after my own heart. Mm -hmm. She is in full pursuit of me and look at her passion. Isn't she beautiful? I would. I want the Lord, and I feel like He He does say it. I feel like His word to me is, "I am my beloved's, and she is mine." Mm -hmm. And and that is a desire. I feel like of of all of our hearts in these last days, as we we move closer and closer to Kingdom calendar events, that what keeps us and what sustains us in peace, regardless of circumstance, and what keeps us tender before the Lord is to posture our hearts in such a humble way that we would seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto us. And nothing from Genesis to, to Revelation has changed. This book is about his love for us. Mm -hmm. It is about bringing us to a place of encounter in his presence and knowing the very heart of God and pursuing the heart of God as he has always pursued us. Mm -hmm. Amen.
Ladies, that is a wrap. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that it spoke to you in a new way. Um, If there's any encouragement or anything that we can do to help you, feel free to reach out. We are online at whispersofhopetn.com. We are on social media as Whispers of Hope. We have Instagram and Facebook. We encourage you to follow us on there. We typically try to post encouraging posts and just different things going on with our organization. We would love for you to follow us on that. And until next time, we just pray blessings over you. Thank you.